Well, if you would, if you got your Bible journals with you today that we uh, handed out a few weeks ago, go ahead and turn to page 212. If you don't have those, if you have your Bible or if you're following along on your phone, go to Mark chapter 8. And uh, we're going to be walking through a, a, a miracle, a passage uh, here today that, like last week, is kind of a little bit of an odd story. In fact, it's only recorded here in the book of Mark, in Mark chapter 8. But before we kind of walk through that little short, brief story in uh, the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus, we kind of set the stage of kind of where we've come from. When you go back into Matthew chapter 7, we see that uh, Jesus healed a man who was deaf and mute. And and then we see in Mark chapter 8, we walk into that first part of the passage there. We see right away that that, uh, uh, Jesus again feeds the 4,000. And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, the feeding of the 5,000. Here, Jesus feeds the 4,000. And he once again displays his power. He displays his authority. And and an interesting twist, an interesting turn here is that we see that that while Jesus is doing this, that the disciples are still a little bit confused. They're still not quite sure. And then we see the Pharisees, they come on the scene and, and they're asking him for a sign as if they needed it at this point. And then we come to this passage in Mark chapter 8. In verse 22, where we, we find the story of a miracle that, that, that Jesus did. And this one, like last week's, was a, a miracle that, that doesn't make a lot of sense on its face. And the reason it doesn't make a lot of sense on its face is because, honestly, we know that Jesus is all-powerful. If Jesus spoke the word, instantly would happen. Go back to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. Spoke the world into existence, and it happened. We go all the way through scripture and chapter after chapter, verse after verse. Anytime that Jesus said that something would be done, it was done instantly. But yet then we come to this this little passage in Mark chapter 8 that that, that can leave you a little bit confused. In fact, this week I was talking with someone who who had just read that passage. And in their Bible, they actually wrote the question, uh, wrote a question above this passage in in their Bible to say, like, why couldn't Jesus do this? Now you sit back and you think, well, what are we talking about here? Well, let's go, Mark chapter 8. And today I've entitled this message, Truly Seen, but then I added the little tag here, One Step at a Time. Now let's go to Mark chapter 8, begin with verse 22, and it says this, Then, then he, Jesus, then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. And so he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. We continue reading in this passage, turn the page and says, and he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. And then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. And then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town, the town of Bethsaida, nor tell anyone in the town. Now, we read those verses today, and I think that probably the reason that you have kind of recognized the, the, the oddity in this story, the oddity in this message, is the fact that Jesus, when this man was brought to him, that Jesus went to heal the man, but, but interestingly, when Jesus put his, his hands on the eyes of this man to heal this man, the man wasn't totally healed. And you can see the confusion. In fact, that question that, that I mentioned a moment ago that someone wrote in their Bible above this passage in Mark chapter 8, and, the, and the, the question they wrote is, why couldn't Jesus do it the first time? And let's be honest, probably a question that a lot of us asked, right? 
Like in our journeys, in our lifetimes, probably we've asked the question like, why wouldn't Jesus do it? Have you ever been in a situation in your life where you've sat by the hospital bed of a loved one and you've asked that question, why couldn't Jesus do this? If you prayed for the healing of someone that you care deeply about and and yet they ended up passing away and going on to heaven, have you ever asked the question like, why couldn't Jesus heal? I know I've asked that question. I've asked that question a number of times in my life. Why wouldn't Jesus heal? And so you read this story here, and Jesus, when he actually did heal, it didn't go all the way the first time. It, in our language, it didn't take. And so then he actually had to do another step. And this next step that he took is what actually brought about the total healing. Now, so we have to kind of dig in here and figure out, like, then what does all this mean? Like, what is the relevance of this story? Why is it important to us? And, and the first thing we're going to get, I'm going to give you a couple, of, a couple of points here, as I always do, and then I'll give you, at the end, some application points that we can kind of tie in so that we can walk out of here today learning something from this little odd story of a miracle in Mark chapter 8. But the first message, the first point that I want to share with you today is that the desperate, uh, the desperate need to see. The desperate really need to see, and I think probably that would be true of all of us in this room, every person on the face of the earth, that we're always desperately wanting to see. We want to understand. We want clarity. We want to know. And here in this passage, no different, the desperate needed to see. In fact, you go back to verse 22. What does it say in verse 22? Right up front. It says when he... um, Sorry, let me get back to that verse. When uh, then he came into Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him. And it says, and they begged him to touch him. Now that word uh, begged there is the the Greek word parakaleo, which literally kind of conveys the idea of a desperate urging. Like this was not like them bringing a blind man to Jesus for a, a party trick. They were not bringing this man to Jesus just so they could show off like, it's really cool, he's blind, and like, watch what this man can do, it's really neat. No, no, no. They brought this man to Jesus in in a desperate way, and they were urging him, begging him, Jesus, heal this man. Now, the message that we can get from this is the fact that, hey, whether these people were family members or whether they were friends, we don't know. It just says they brought the blind man to him. We don't really know who these people were. We do know by kind of just understanding the passage, just by reading it for its face value, they cared deeply about this person. It could have been a family member. It could have been a very dear friend. In a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the story of, of how the friends brought another man to Jesus and, and remember, led him down through the roof of the, of the house to get to Jesus because they were desperate for this man to be healed. We, we know they desperately cared for this man. So this is another one of those stories. Why? Because the desperate need to see. Now, like in our journeys today, in our lives today, like let's be honest, there are lots of times we walk through this world and we kind of feel like the blind, don't we? And I don't mean like literally, like we can't see, but we feel like we're walking in a fog. We feel like we're walking in a, a midst of darkness, like we're walking in this, this time, like, and we don't know what to do, and we don't know where to turn, and we don't know how to navigate, we don't know how to walk through. We kind of feel like this idea that we're blind. And so this passage tells us, like, I'm not, like these friends, like they were desperate for this man to see. They were urging Jesus to do something that that went beyond the realm of possibility. And so they bring the man to Jesus and they they, they place him in front of Jesus. And and Jesus does this kind of weird little thing where 
where he, he takes the man off and he begins the process of healing. And that brings us to the second point that we learn here. It's the gradual process of sight. The gradual process of sight. Now, we go back to the passage, and the reason I'm kind of like laying this out verse by verse here is because, again, a lot of this relates to us in our own journey in our faith. Look what it says in verse 23. It says, so he took the blind man, and he took him by the hand and led him out of the town, and when he had spit on his eyes and he put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything, and he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. It's an interesting story. Jesus took this man out away from the people and away from the crowds and away from the town. And it doesn't say that he spit on the ground and made like a clay in other places that he has done that. And it doesn't say that he spit in his own hands. It says he spit in the man's eyes. Got to be honest with you, if that happened to me today, I'm going to hit the guy, right? I mean, I mean, that's just not a normal thing that you would do. And yet Jesus took this man out and he, he spit in the man's eyes and then he placed his fingers, probably, probably in this kind of Perspective. He placed his thumbs over the man's eyes. And, and in that moment, all the people that had brought this man to Jesus expected, watch now, watch this. This is going to be amazing because they knew what Jesus could do. They were aware that Jesus was the only one that could bring healing. They, they had heard the stories. They had seen the healings. They knew that Jesus was, was their best hope. And so when Jesus placed his hands upon that, that man's eyes and he said, okay, tell me, do, do you see? Then we hear that story. He says, I, I, I see men like trees walking. Now, we learn a couple of things from that story, that statement. Number one, this, prob- this man probably was not born blind. He probably became blind later in life, either through sickness or through an accident or something else that, that, that caused his blindness because he understood like, what people should look like and he understood what trees look like. And so what he says, is like, basically, it's like, like, I can see some movement and, and I can see what I think are people, but it, but it, but it kind of looks like they're, they're trees. They're kind of like stick figures. They, they're, they're not looking the way they're supposed to look. And, but, I, but I know they're people because they're moving around. They're walking around because trees certainly don't walk. And, and so obviously you can think now, let's set the stage. The people that had gathered around, the people that had brought him to Jesus and begged him, urged him to heal, probably they took a little bit of a step back. It was probably really quiet in the moment. There was silence in the place because they had expected that if Jesus agreed to heal, that this man would instantly be healed. That if Jesus really agreed to take on this this task, to take on this challenge, that that, that there would be no problem. Like obviously just the, the very fact of getting him to Jesus was really the hard work. The hard work was getting him there, and they got him there, and Jesus said, okay, come with me. And now, he says, well, I can kind of see a little bit. I can see like a little bit of light. I can see like a little bit of movement, but, but, but they're kind of like trees. It's not the way it should be. The people probably stepped back and like, probably there was like this, this shudder that went through the crowd. Probably a, an, an audible gasp that was heard, like this doesn't make Sense, And so then Jesus did what Jesus always does. He immediately put his hands on that man again. And the passage says that he put his, his hands on him again, and then he tells him to look up. And it says, okay, now, and it says, in fact, the passage, we read it a moment ago, it says this uh, in verse 
25, he says he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. So instantly now the man can see. The trees are no longer trees, they're people. He sees people for what they're supposed to look like. He sees the way that, that you and I, most of us in this room, the way that we see, like, like he saw exactly what he was supposed to see and the miracle had been completed. The question is, why did it take Jesus two times to make it work? Why was it this gradual process? And let's be honest, what we see in this story really, the end of the day was really nothing more than an opportunity for Jesus to teach a lesson. He wasn't teaching a lesson to the man. He was really teaching a lesson to the disciples. And by extension, teaching a lesson to all of us in this room as well. So the idea that we get here is that Jesus did this on purpose. Jesus knew the, the first time when he put his hands on that man's eyes, when he spit in that man's eyes, he knew this is not going to be a total healing because he was going to use this as a teachable moment. Now we talk about teachable moments. And so I, I as oftentimes that I do, like I want to take this opportunity to make this a teachable moment. And so I need a couple of volunteers. So I'm going to pick one from this side of the room, and then I'm going to pick one from that side of the room. So guys, you get ready, because we're going to, we're going to have like a little bit of a teachable moment here. Now, who this might be? Who wants to be my volunteer? Yep, come on. Everybody's pointing to you, so you're the guy. Come on. All right, you're going to be my, my volunteer. Awesome. Great. This is, Ma everybody say, hi, Matthew. Hi, Matthew. All right, so now, because we chose him from this side of the room, everybody on this side of the room, you guys are Team Matthew. You got it? All right, cool. Matthew, if you would, just go stand right up on the stage there for me. And then we've got to find someone else over here. Who's going to be my, my volunteer on this side of the room? It needs to be someone who, who is a little bit older. It can't be a child. It needs to be someone who is also a little bit younger. They're, it can't be, like, really old. Are you the guy? You can be? Come on. All right, here we go. And what's your name? Dino. Dino. That's an awesome name. Let's say, let's say hi to Dino. Awesome. So everybody on this side of the room from, from the middle aisle over, you guys are all Team Dino. Okay? You got it? All right. Wow. Yeah, good, good. yeah Matthew, you're lacking over there, buddy. You gotta... All right. Okay, okay. Now, here's what we're going to do. So for those of us who kind of go back a little bit, we always... Do you ever take driver's ed? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. Did you ever take driver's ed? So back in high school in driver's ed... They had this really kind of new, neat, uh, this tool that they used to kind of help people recognize the importance of not drinking and driving, okay? And so what they do is they have these things called drunk goggles. And so I have these drunk goggles here. And in fact, just to give you kind of a little bit of perspective, William, I'm going to come over here real quick and borrow your camera lens if I could and just kind of get a picture there, that's what, that's what these guys are going to see. And so, uh, here, I'm going to give those to you. And I'm going to give these to you. And here's what we're going to do, guys. Because the idea of this, this idea of like what they use in driver's ed is the fact that, that when you drink and when you're getting ready to drive, like, like obviously what, it limits your ability to see. Am I right about that? Yeah, so go ahead and put those on if you would. And Matt, if you would, go ahead and put those on for me. Perfect. Okay. And so here's what we're going to do. Don't move. But here's what we're going to do. You okay, Dino? Yeah, okay. Come over here, Dino. All right. So I want you to stand right here, Dino. All right. Right there. Okay. Don't move. Oh, I forgot. I've got a waiver. 
that I need you to... Here, if you would uh, take the goggles off real okay, quick. Right, right, yeah, right. yeah, would you right. just sign your name oh, right it's there? It's a legit... It's a legit... Just sign that real quick. Yeah, just... Uh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, okay. Thank you very much. Okay. So I got that. Got that one. And then, Matthew, if you take your goggles off here for the... Just sign this really quick right, right there on the line. Yeah. You don't need to read it. Thank you. Very cool. Okay. Do we have a notary in the room anywhere? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, we're good. We're good. We're good. All right. So here's what we're going to do. Put the goggles back on. What are you doing? Okay. So what we're going to do is come over here if you would. Now, what I'm going to ask you to do when I say go is I want you guys to walk towards each other and meet each other in the middle of the stage and shake hands. That's the goal. Dino, do you understand? Team Matthew, you guys are going to cheer for Matthew? <laughs> Team Dino? All right, all right, so here we go. So guys, I'm going to count to three, and then when I get to three, you guys, I want you to walk to the middle, and I want you to shake hands. Okay, ready? One, two, hold on, I forgot one thing. Oh. <laughs> all right, there we go. Matthew, don't worry about what I'm doing. It's all good. Here we go, Matthew. Perfect. All right, great. Okay, here we go. Now, one, two, three. Cheer them on, guys. Come on. Yeah, look at there. You guys did great. Let's give them a hand, everybody. Awesome. Fantastic. All right, you guys are done and not getting paid. But listen, here's the deal. Obviously, and Dino and Matthew, you guys can, you guys can vouch for me. It was difficult to see. Am I right, Matthew? Dino, was it difficult to kind of see, right? You kind of just felt your way through it. Let's be honest. That's exactly what so many of us do in our faith, and it's exactly what the disciples were doing in their faith. Because they could see a little bit. And in fact, when you look at the stories of the disciples, what you see is, man, they had the opportunity from the minute of the beginning of Jesus' ministry, they got to see everything that he did. They walked with him to that wedding in Cana of Galilee when Jesus turned the water into wine. They were there when Jesus healed the sick and raised the dead. Like they had the opportunity of seeing all of these things that Jesus did. And what's really weird, and we don't need to turn, but if you go back in the first part of Mark chapter 8, when Jesus fed the 4,000, if you go back to the story we talked about a few weeks ago, when Jesus fed the 5,000 plus all the women and children that were there, and what did the disciples do? They questioned the power of Jesus to do the miracle. And so when this opportunity arose, when this, this moment came where they had the opportunity of, of bringing this man to Jesus, when they brought him to him, and when they allowed and they begged him, Lord, please heal this man, what they saw there literally is that Jesus saw the opportunity to teach them all a lesson of how vitally important it was to see Jesus for who he is. Because they knew that the desperate needed to see. What they didn't know is that it was a gradual process of sight. But then finally what we see here is we recognize the disciples and everyone else there, 
that there was a failure to see what was right in front of them. A failure to see what was right there in front of them. And I know it's true because if you go back in this passage to verse 11, after Jesus had fed the 4,000 in this miraculous uh, act of, of feeding them again with just a few loaves of bread and fish. It says, then the Pharisees came out and they began to dispute with him, seeking him, from him a sign from heaven, testing him. But he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation need a sign? Assuredly, I say to you that no sign shall be given to this generation. You see, what happened is the Pharisees, they had seen Jesus do all of these things. But here's what they recognized. They saw Jesus, but to them it was not enough. I think in our culture today, we see Jesus, but oftentimes it's just not enough. You go down a couple of verses, and now we find what the disciples are walking through. In verse 14, it says, now the disciples had forgotten to take bread as they went across the, the boat, across to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread with them. And they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Now remember, Jesus had already fed the 4,000. And now they're in the boat. And it says that the disciples only had one loaf with them. And then he, Jesus, charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves. In other words, they argued among themselves saying, it's because we have no bread. This is the guy who fed 4,000 with just a little bit of bread and, and a couple of fish. This is the guy who fed 5,000 plus all the women and children with just a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish. And what do the disciples have to say? Oh man, he's challenging us now because we didn't have enough bread. But then Jesus, being aware of it, said this to them, verse 17. Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? In fact, if you have your Bible journals, or your Bibles or phones or whatever, you ought to highlight, underline these statements I'm about to read to you. The first one, do you not perceive, do you not yet perceive nor understand? You ought to highlight that. The next statement, is your heart still hardened? You ought to underline that. Verse 18. Having eyes, do you not see? Highlight that statement. And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? In other words, what Jesus was saying is like, guys, seriously, you guys can see, but yet you can't see. You, you, you've seen all of this, but yet you still don't really see what is right in front of you. And I'm telling you today, like not, there's not a person in this room that that statement could not be said of us at some point in our journey. That we have walked through this thing called life and we have claimed the, the name of Christ and we are Christ followers and we come together in worship. We come together and read his word. We come together and, and, and we sing these words together. and We give, we do all these things to, to, to come together as the body of Christ. And yet every person in this room at some point in your journey you have seen Jesus and you know exactly who he is, but at some point you thought it's just not enough. And so Jesus is talking to the disciples here. He's like, guys, don't you get it? Like, like you have eyes, but you can't see. You have ears and you can't hear. Do you not understand And if you were looking at your scripture, your Bible, what you would see is immediately following that challenge by Jesus to the disciples. 
is a moment when they arrived in Bethsaida. And the people brought this blind man to Jesus. And they urged him, they begged him to heal this man. And so Jesus saw this as an opportunity to teach the disciples what they really were. As he put his fingers in the eyes of that man and then said, can you see? Jesus knew exactly what was gonna come next. The man said, well, I can see men like trees walking. I can see a little bit. Like I've got a little bit of a, a picture here. I see some colors and I see some movement and, and, I, and I see what, what, what looks like it should be exactly what I am supposed to see. But, but I've got to be honest with you. It's not exactly what it's supposed to be. Paul talked about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. When he said, for now we see in a mirror dimly. You see, we walk through this life in a human perspective where even though we have the opportunity of seeing the power of God and the presence of God and the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, yet every single day, it's as if we're looking in a mirror and it says we look in the mirror dimly. Like in other words, we just can't quite make it out. Have you ever been to one of those fun houses and they have those weird mirrors that make all the weird shapes, right? You go in and you stand in front of it and the first thing you think is like, dude, I can't wait. And then you look like, man, that just doesn't, like, my, my head is like, this, no, this, this doesn't make sense. Like, and that's the way we walk through this thing called life. We walk through this thing called life and we see things dimly. But then that passage in 1 Corinthians 13 says, but, but then one day, one day when we are made perfect, when we're standing in the presence of God in eternity for all of eternity in this place called heaven where everything is perfect, then it says, but then, oh then, then you'll see face to face. In other words, we will recognize everything. And so Jesus used this miracle as an opportunity to teach the disciples, guys, you've seen it, but you don't get it. You've seen it, but you don't really understand it. Like you've watched, but man, it takes steps to get to the place where you truly understand who Jesus is and what Jesus can do. It's a failure to see what is right in front of you every single day. So we come to this recognition that after Jesus healed this man in this gradual process, right after that, we read in this passage, and we're not going to read it today, but, but you know the story. Because right after Jesus healed this blind man in this step-by-step this, this -step process is the moment when they, they walked away from the man, they walked away from Bethsaida, and Bethsaida is on the northern shore of of the Sea of Galilee, and they made their way a little bit up to the northeast to a city called Caesarea Philippi. And when they arrived in that city, we find this famous conversation between Jesus and Peter, where Jesus asked Peter and the disciples, whom do men say that I am? And they gave all the different answers. But then Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ. So do you see the process of the beginning of Mark chapter 8? The disciples, man, they just didn't get it. They had seen it, but they didn't see it totally. 
They'd seen Jesus, but man, it was not quite enough. And Jesus said, you have eyes, but you don't see. You have ears, but you don't hear. You do not understand. But then, as Jesus used this moment, this teachable moment with the, the, this blind man, he, he showed them where they were. They could see. They could see, but it was like trees walking. But with the power of Jesus and recognition of what was to come, then they get to the end of the chapter of Mark 8. And the only declaration they can make is you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So what do we walk away with this today from this story? Of things that we can learn and things that we can do, things that we can like kind of walk through this thing called life with. And again, as always, it'll be on your screen. You can take a picture of it once they're all up there so you can you know, kind of take it with you. You can write it down. It's in the app as well. But here's the, the kind of the three-part application that I want you to kind of get from this story. That, and its face value doesn't make sense because why couldn't Jesus do it right the first time? It's because he wanted to teach you what I'm about to give you. The first one is this. Looking for him is the first step towards truly seeing. I can't tell you how many times I've had the opportunity of meeting people right here at this altar at an invitation time when they walk down the aisle, oftentimes with tears in their eyes, and they come down to this altar and they say, man, I want to get saved. Man, I want to meet Jesus. And then in that moment, in that service, something had hit them, something had really spoken to them, and, and they'd recognized their need for a Savior. And then they, they got it, like the light switch went off. It's like, man, that, yeah, that's what I need. That's what I want. And they came down, and we had the opportunity of leading them to the Lord. And I can't tell you how many times I've also seen a few weeks later that person who, in the emotion of the moment, has slowly drifted away, where it's like not the same feeling that he once had. It's not that big of a deal anymore, and they... They, they shift and they move further and further and further and further away. Kind of like what he's doing to me right now. Did you notice that he's moving further? Okay. And further and further and further away. And to the point that that person has kind of like forgotten the whole idea of what they did in that room. You see, when you come to the realization that you need a savior. And you recognize that Jesus is the only one that can save you. Understand that is just the first step towards truly seeing. Please don't misunderstand me. I am not saying that salvation is a gradual process. I'm not saying that at all. Please understand, I'm not saying that. When you trust Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you believe that he died, that he rose again, Romans chapter 10, when you believe that he is the son of God, that he rose, died, and rose again, and you call on his name, the promise is that you will be saved. And I believe with all my heart, Romans chapter 8 tells, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can pluck us from the hand of God. Here's what I believe. Nothing can cause you to lose your salvation. So please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But also understand that coming to Christ and making that decision is just literally the first step towards truly seeing the value of your salvation. Of understanding what this thing really means. It's the first step. The second, it takes time and effort to fully understand who he is. First Corinthians chapter three, I think Ben verse two, if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ben. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's first Corinthians three, two. That says this is that I gave you milk because you weren't ready for solid food. Is that right? 
Okay, I gave you, why? Because when you were a baby, you need milk. You can't go out and have a prime rib. I've got my little grandson over here and he's sound asleep. They, they left. So he didn't get sound asleep. He woke up, right? There we go. All right, so he woke up, but he's over here. And he's six weeks old this past Friday. And here's what I know. Like, like last night for dinner, I was with him and I had two hot dogs. If I would have given him a hot dog, we'd be in the hospital right now. Because he can't eat solid food. The same thing is true of our walk and our faith and our journey with him. Like, it's the first step. But what it takes, what we have to understand is that it, it takes time and effort to truly see him for who he is. It is a lifelong journey. And Jesus made that statement. He made that clear in the performing of this miracle. He, he taught them. He showed them. He proved to them. Hey, guys, you see in your face. You see in the mirror. You see it dimly. But one day, one day, and it wasn't mean like next Thursday at 3 o'clock. It was like when you're standing in the presence of God for all of eternity. Oh, but then you'll see face to face. So in other words, it's a lifelong journey. The third thing. Seeking and trusting him leads to absolute sight. Seeking him, trusting him, leads to absolute sight. It's a journey and it takes time. But you know what God's word says about this journey? Let me give it to you in Hebrews chapter 11, verse six. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God, listen to me, must believe that he is. Most of us in this room, if not all of us in this room, we stand by that statement. We believe that he is. At some point in our journey, we have trusted Christ as our Lord and Savior. We believe that he is. But it doesn't stop there. Because listen to what happens next. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You see, the word of God makes it very clear. Oh, yeah, you've got to believe that he is. But not only believe that he is, but you have to day by day, step by step, one moment at a time, diligently seek him. Why? Because he is a rewarder of those who do so. So you can see in this miracle, a miracle that if you read it at face value, you'd be confused. You would do like some have done. Like, why couldn't Jesus do it in one shot? Why couldn't he literally just have spoken the word and the man could see? It's so that you and I can learn that we are on a journey that will take us through the rest of our lives. And though today we see men as trees Walking. One day we will look and gaze into the eyes and the face of God. And there we will be for eternity. That is my prayer. That every person who hears my voice in this room today. Watching today. Listening today. Can honestly say. That's the journey I'm on. But if you can't, great news. And the great news is just simply this. All we must do is believe that he is the son of God 
And when we make that decision, when we make that declaration that he died and that he rose again, then we will be saved. And then we get this amazing gift of stepping onto the treadmill of life, the highway of life, diligently seeking him. And God says this, and I'll reward you for doing so. Let's pray. God, thank you for the understanding that we can find in a passage that, to be quite honest with you, is a difficult passage. One that, without spending a little bit of time understanding what you're trying to say, it could also and almost always lead us into doubt. But that God, through your word and through your wisdom, that you help us to see and encourage us. Because yes, there are times when all of us have come to that place where we've said, why couldn't God do this? That what we can see and know from this passage is this. Is it God? That you're an awesome and all-powerful God. And that we need to spend our days and spend our life running after you. Not running after the stuff that we want you to do. And God, for that, we thank you. So God, right now in this moment, as we come to this moment of decision, I pray that for the people gathered, listening, or watching right now, Lord, I pray that if there's someone here that needs to meet you today through your son, Jesus, I pray that in this moment, God, that you would speak truth to them. Lord, help them to see the value and the power of the gift of your son, Jesus, who came and died for our sins when we could never have deserved it. He did it anyway. That he rose again. So God, I pray that you would do that work in our midst today. With our heads bowed, with our eyes closed, Charles is gonna lead us in a song in just a moment. And as he does, we're gonna stand. The altar's open. Our team is here. Man, we'd love to talk with you. Maybe today, beyond the fact that there may be someone here who needs to come down and meet Jesus, we'd love to share that with you. But maybe for some others today, maybe you've kind of been walking through this life doubting. Maybe you've been walking through this life like wondering, why couldn't Jesus do that? Questioning his power, his value. Maybe today you need to come and just kneel here and say, God, I'm sorry that I questioned you. God, I'm sorry I doubted you. But today, man, I don't doubt you anymore. Maybe you need to come and have that moment of confession. Maybe you need to come with maybe a friend or family member and come and pray here over a need, a specific situation where, where just like those men who brought the, the blind man to Jesus, like, like you are begging God, parakaleo, urging him, God, I need you today. Maybe you need to come and just kneel here with those prayers. Maybe you want to come and, and join our, our church family here. Maybe you want to come for baptism, whatever, whatever it is today that God is telling you to do. I would just echo that by saying, do it. I don't know what God is saying to you, but whatever God is saying to you, here's what I do know, it's worth listening to. And so I would just encourage you to respond. So let's stand together and Charles is gonna lead us in as he does, the altar is open. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart adore you Hope of our life spent with you Here I am to worship Here I am to bow 
Father, today we are overwhelmed by your goodness. It doesn't make sense, but God, today what we long for is that solid food of understanding, of getting beyond the surface and getting beyond the the early stages, the early steps, and getting to that place where we truly know you for who you are. And so, God, I pray that today for every person who is here, for those who are kneeling at this altar, those who are walking down as I speak, God, I pray that you would challenge us to diligently seek you day in and day out. And God, in advance, we give you the praise of the work you're going to do in rewarding us for doing so. So God, thank you. We love you. We thank you for your son. And we pray for your strength as we walk out of this place into a world that lives in darkness Help all of us in this room to truly see. And God, for that, we give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The altar remains open. We'd love to talk with you. God bless you. We'll see you back next week. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We're so glad you joined us. If you prayed to receive Christ today, we'd love to hear from you. We want to help you as you begin this journey of faith in Jesus Christ. So send us an email to the address on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. Likewise, if you've never accepted God's free gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus, but you'd like to know more, well, we're here to help you. So just reach out to us. We'd love to tell you more. Our mission at Thomas Road is to change our world by developing Christ followers who love God and love people. And if you'd like to help us fulfill that mission by giving to our ministry, then go to the link on your screen and make your contribution today. Help us help others with the life-changing truth of God's love.